Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Where Brent forgets is that we are a football congregation. Nobody needs to ask any questions here. So come and uh, watch a game with us. And if you have the other question that's burning in everyone's mind, you can ask it then. How come Brent didn't make it to seven foot tall? He loves that question. All right, six foot ten, two inches short. <laughs> Ain't that right, Brett? He's shaking his head in the back. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Wow, it's a holiday, and you're at church. It's not a holiday, and you're at church. This must be the few, the proud, the actual. Amen? We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, Compelling ourselves. I'll start it. They'll put it up there, and you, you, we're going to see how well we do. We are compelling That's really pretty good. Better than I thought it would be. Um, I, th I, I thought we might go over that again and repeat it because uh, I've le recently had some people, some of you, hey, what's that thing again? How's it go? <laughs> so I figure I, 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 instead of me always reading it to you, maybe I have you guys uh, repeat it and then we can start to learn it. And remember um, who we are. Amen. Um, as much as I like the social gathering, as much as I like the coffee, and the, there's a more important reason for us to be here. Uh, so, uh, welcome. And this is a house of worship, and that's what we're going to do. Hey, uh, anybody catch a game yesterday? Was there something happened yesterday? Yeah, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later. Um, but, but right now, we're going to jump into uh, the, coming to the end, pretty close here, of our Roman series. We've got one more chapter after today. We're going to finish up chapter 15 this morning, uh, verses uh, 14 through 33, if I remember correctly. Um, and Paul has been writing and explaining uh, just a bunch of different theological concepts. Um, that's, that's a big sentence. If we, if we put it in everyday terms, What's he been writing to them, us, about? He's been telling us about who? God. And we find out about God. Um, transitively, we also find about ourselves, you, us. Um, we find out the differences and we find out the, the importances, the non-negotiables. There's a great word that we, um, that we use for this that's been diluted and... Um, redefined and trashed it's a word truth and it's a wonderful thing for us to hold on to and uh, Paul's coming to the end and he's calling them to some truths and I want us to see those this morning uh, maybe in a new way I hope in a new way or maybe if you saw it in a in a good way before you, you'll just be affirmed I've seen it that way again um, but I, I also want to remind you he's writing um to a certain people. Did anybody guess who maybe he's writing to? The Gentiles. Maybe the, the Gentiles would be correct. That's where I was going with this. Good job. Um, any guesses as to who he's writing to? He's writing to the Romans, right? Now, are these the Jews? No, are they close by? They're 
kind of across the Mediterranean. This, he's there at a distance, very different culture. And he's trying to explain to them why, hey, you Christians who are in Rome, how do you function? Uh, I, this week, felt more than any of the other chapters so far in the study, like we could relate to the Romans. Christians in a secular uh, culture, different from God's culture, and how do we operate? Uh, so this week, this passage for me was, was a little more eye-opening. It kind of poked me in a different way. Um, so I, I hope you get poked this morning. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get going. Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, thanks for our church, a place of worship, and thanks for those who are actually following you, who they sign on or they show up, and they're, they're invested in their relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you would return them blessing on their effort. May that come in the form of what we study this morning. May your spirit guide it. May it mull in our heads. May it shape our hearts. And then, Lord, uh, may it challenge us, push us. Good experience overall, Lord. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Um, before we get going too far, uh, turn over your outline to the back. And the first um, fill in, the first word is your. That's wrong. Just cross out the R for me, okay? It's supposed to be you. All right, we'll get to that after we get through the passage. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 14, here we go. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. That's a pretty good compliment. Filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Is that an encouragement? Do you need to be told that? What, what do you mean, Scott? Why do I need to be? Yeah. Um, how, how good are you? How knowledgeable are you? And what can you teach? More than you know? Watch what happens over the next uh, 15 or so, 16, 17 verses. Paul's going to prove this statement. It's an encouragement. And now he's going to go through and give some, he's going to put some meat on the bones. Make sense of it. But on some points, verse 15, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. I want to make sure that we point out the word reminder there. If you're being reminded, what did you have before? You knew it before. This is far from new information. This is a reminder of what you've had for a while. Okay, A reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the... There we go, Iris. Good job. Right? You got it. Everybody else was twiddling thumbs. You're meant to be uh, ministers where you are, Romans. In the priestly service of the gospel of God. What's the gospel of God? What's the gospel? It's the good news. Have anything to do with maybe that symbol up there? The, the good news or the gospel is the truth that uh, God wants relationship with us so much that he came, dwelt among us, t tempted in every way, yet without sin, and went to the cross despising the shame in obedience to God, 
gave his life as a sacrifice, conquered death, eliminated sin, all the penalties, and offered salvation and grace through his resurrection and ascension. That's the gospel. The gospel of the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. He says, look, there's people out there that don't know. They're yet to know that there's good news. Did you know that? There's some people in our town that have yet to hear it, figure it out. That's kind of exciting. Why is that exciting? We could tell them there could be joy, healing, enlightenment, deliverance, grace. Or, or, I don't know, that's a little daunting. I would have to talk to someone else about God. How's that going to go? How will you know? Till you try it. Paul says, look, uh, waste no time where you are. No, you're not in Israel. No, you're not in Jerusalem. No, you're not around Jews. No, you're not in a culture that understands our religion or where we come from. Uh, and by the way, the United States is quickly becoming that as well. Post-Christian culture. That's where they say it's going. But I read the end of the book. I know who wins. So let's get on that side. Paul says, look, this is what we got to do. Priestly service. What's, what's a priest? You're supposed to serve like a priest? What's a priest do? He does some teaching, right? Um, I am technically, I've never been a priest. I'm a pastor. Some say minister. Some call me other things. We shan't repeat. Never been called priest. What's a priest do that's different from me? He would cleanse things. Offer sacrifice. Introduce people to God. He would do things in the temple that you had to be holy in order to do. We bring things to God and we're trying to clean things to make them presentable towards God. Ooh, what would we be cleaning and presenting to God so far in this? The Gentiles, we get to be part of their, cleansing is, is a rough word, that kind of implies that they're dirty. Go, go with the analogy, but never go too far with an analogy, right? We get to be part of, how about this, their sanctification. Helping them build a holy relationship with the Lord. That's a great opportunity. So that the offering, ooh, see, offering, priest. Love it when Paul continues with his analogy rather than mixing it. The offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I just used that word, sanctification, right? We can help be part of their sanctification. Um, can you sanctify anyone? Can you clean anyone? Can you make anyone holy? Only Christ does that. In fact, he even kind of says it here, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. God is the only one who can really do that process. But can you help? Or could you be like the water boy or something? Help out? Bring supplies? Bring support? Uh, pray with somebody over the phone? Happened to me this week. Pray with anybody over the phone this week? It's kind of cool. It's kind of awkward. But it's kind of cool. 
No. What did that accomplish? Something for her. A little bit for me. Did it change the world? A little bit. Just a little bit. But this is the opportunities that we kind of have. And how can we lean into those things? Uh, In Christ Jesus, verse 17 then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. That's so fun. What a great verse. What a great memory verse. Uh, Turn over your outline, look on the back. At the top it says, uh, working for God. And then I believe it has a verse there, right? Same verse. What are you proud of when it comes to the Lord? How do you work for Him? Do do you realize you work for Him? Oh no, I have a new boss, an employer. He catches every detail. Um, You ever had a good boss? Great boss? Uh, Work becomes fun. Right? That's what Brent keeps praying for. Right? (laughs) I have reason to be proud of my work for God. When, when I do things for God, when I accomplish something, um, there's something about that. This is a healthy pride rather than a sick pride. Yeah? I, I was watching somebody explain to another person the joy of being in Mexico, building a house for somebody who was living in a box or on the street and handing them keys for the first time. And the feeling of uh, indescribable. There's a pride in that. And you start going regularly and doing those kind of things. You start showing up at somebody's house and aiding them. You start uh, bringing food to people during a rough time. By the way, thank you from our family. Um, you show up with supplies. You show up and just sit with somebody. There's so many things you could do that is working for God. But... We have to show up. We have to find an excuse to show up. That's the phrase I would use with my kids all the time. You're giving me an excuse not to do anything. How about you give me an excuse to do something? (laughs) Let's find an excuse to actually do something rather than nothing. Paul's excited. He says, look, I work for the Lord. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Ooh. I'm working with Christ and we're working on Gentiles again. We've talked about this already. We're trying to get them sanctified. Um, and how do, we, how do we recognize sanctification? Apparently here, we, we watch it when someone's obedient. Obedient to what? In what? In anything. Whatever they do, right? How does Paul do it? Paul says, I do it by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all around to Illyricum, that word, Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That's a little ironic to think that we could fulfill the gospel of Christ. I mean, really, who, who's the only one who could complete a work? We understand that God, right? He's, he gets credit for everything. In fact, he just said, I'm not going to talk about anything except for what Christ has accomplished. And yet it says, I have fulfilled the ministry. 
There is a weird, cool opportunity we have to be so intricate in the work that he's doing in other people that it can feel like we're fulfilling it. Now, most importantly, he's probably talking about fulfilling within himself the work that's going on between him and God. And we all can do that. We can all do that. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. That's great. We know his agenda. <clears throat> I was recruited to take a job at a church in Little Rock, Arkansas, a mega church. You know, 5,000 people. Seven services on a weekend on three different campuses in three different towns. Blah, blah, blah. It was weird because um, when we would leave our house to drive to that mega church, do you know how many churches we drove by? Guess. Like 12. <laughs> it's like a mile, mile and a half. Like every, literally, they make that joke. In the South, you got a church on every corner. Yeah, it's kind of true. That's great. After uh, three years, I said, bye, I'm leaving. Where are you going? California. Why? Kind of say it like that. Why? Why would you do that? You finally saved. You're out here. Why would you go back to that hell hole? <laughs> right? Um, and, and the thing that made sense to them when I said, why am I going back to California? There's a greater need in this state. Y'all got it covered here. <laughs> Y'all are fish, shooting fish in a barrel. That dog won't hunt. Sorry, they're all coming back to me. <laughs> So it's like, I'm going to go chase it out in California. Let's see who we can reach out there. Where in California? Bay Area. Oh, good luck, son. <laughs> right? It's important that we, we remember God has an agenda. You are on it. Yet not alone. There's others on the agenda. How saved are you? How sanctified are you? How, how much work are you doing? How engaged? Do you have a sense of pride or confidence in, in your chase of the Lord and what you're doing? And then how's it, how's it spread? Have you infected anybody? Right? Has anybody caught the virus from you, the God virus, to where they're... Oh, I feel a little weird. I feel a little funny. Oh, this is growing. Right? We, we've got to think about it that way, I think. Verse 22, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. What's the reason? He's got all these people he's trying to reach. You know, Rome was only one of many places that Paul went to try and spread the gospel. They talk about his three missionary journeys or two missionary journeys and then Christians love to argue about that stuff because Christians love to argue. Walk away from those Christians. <laughs> um, but he was going all over the place. Corinth, 
Ephesus, Philippi. In fact, we got a bunch of books that are named after those places because he was still writing to them. He says, look, I'm trying to hit as many as I can. But now, verse 23, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. <laughs> I'm going to come see it, and then I'm going to be right off to the next set of Gentiles. And to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints from Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. What have we named? About five different places now? And Paul's going to all those places. He's getting resources from one, taking them to another. He's trying to meet needs. It's wonderful. He's getting contributions. and Is he making a difference? Yeah, that's awesome. Now, are you supposed to do that? Hmm. Maybe you're not the go to five different states and do. I mean, maybe you have another way that you do it. The point is this: find what yours is. What's your work? Maybe you serve on a committee or teach Sunday school, or maybe you're a team mom, or or maybe you, I don't know, help cut the grass or something. But how do you find a place where you fit into kingdom work? Um. I love what uh, Judy Deeds says. She says, you know, when, we sh when we show up somewhere, we bring kingdom with us. Love that. She stole it from somewhere, but I remember what it was. Um, verse 27, For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material needs. Blessings. He says, yeah, we're, we're trying to reach Gentiles. And then, by the way, when the Gentiles get saved, they should be getting to work too. They should be compelled themselves to compel others to Christ in casual ways to welcome all worship. When, therefore, I've completed this and have delivered to them what was been collected, I'll leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He was having some conflict with some of the, the staunch Jews who were holding to that and having trouble with the idea that Messiah had to come. And so uh, they want to jail people like um, Paul and give him a hard time. And that's what he's asking. Yeah, hey, pray for me. Because um, this is why they call it work. Right? You ever been with somebody and they're complaining about the work they're doing? It's, it's a great line. I use it all the time. Well, that's, that's why they call it work. <laughs> right? It's, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's often costly, time-consuming, exhausting. But there's a payoff. There's a confidence that comes from it. There's a pride. There's a result. And we want to get Gentiles into that, um, into that cycle as well. Verse 32, closing up here. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy 
and be refreshed in your company. Does he believe that joy comes from his work? I tell you, this year I've had to believe that there's joy somewhere. Trying to hold on to that, seek it in the midst of all the things that are going on. I've, I've forgotten some of the things that went poorly this, this year, and I was reminded this week. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I don't, I don't need a reminder. I'm trying to forget the things that went the wrong way. In contrast, what am I trying to remember? What do I want by way of reminder, Paul said earlier? What do I want? I want to know the finished work of Christ, the joy of walking the path with Him, the result of effort and work and accomplishment, the relationship that goes along with it. I want to be refreshed in your blessing? No. In your gifts? Apparently, they had a, the Christians, they had a company in Rome. Right? What's they talking about there? Companionship. companionship. Well, how do you do that? How do you do companionship? You hang out? You spend time with people? Like, physically, in proximity, around them? Do you have to accomplish anything? Do you have to comb your hair? You might, right? Um, what's the point? Why, why am I joking about this? How, how much work is companionship? Well, you don't know them, Scott. They're so difficult. Yeah. They said the same thing about you. Right? No, it, it's this idea that we need, people need people to be refreshed people. We need to be around people. You get into isolation, you get into isolation. Where's that lead? Depression. I've been depressed. I've come to terms with this. I've been depressed this year. That doesn't make sense, Scott, because every Sunday you're such a goofball up on stage in front of everybody. Yeah, I got a thing that I do up here for the delivery mechanism of the content that I believe God wants us to hear. But when you have a year like we've had, there's some moments where you're isolated. How's that go? You start getting grumpy old man syndrome. Right? G-O-M-S. Suffer from goms. You know, bark at the wife, kick the dog, ignore your father-in-law. It's, it's not a good place to be. We need to get around people. Why? So we stop navel gazing and whining and crying. Get over the things that your parents didn't do or your boss said or what happened with your family and start find some people and find an excuse to have fun. Become a professional hangouter. I like what Katie said. You just hang out. I'm a pro. Uh, verse 33. May the God of what? Didn't it say the God of work? God of salvation, God of the gospel. There's somehow there's a peace in this that he wants to remind us. Right? May the God of peace be with you all. Amen? Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Doesn't this sound like the end of the book? 
No, turn the page. There's another chapter. There's a chapter 16. It feels like he's ending it, but there's a whole other chapter coming uh, next week. All right. Um, let's look at this, because as I was studying this week and, and realizing Paul and God are calling us to work, um, I was looking at this and like, what are, what more is there to say? I mean, because really, we could have one fill in this week, right? Get to work. Amen? Amen. Go with him, and we're gone, right? Just, I tend to need a little bit more. Can you explain it, please? Right? My kids get mad because I keep asking detailed questions. Oh my gosh, Dad, how much longer do we have to talk about this? Till I get it? Here's, here's the first thing that I think has to come out of the passage as by way of reminder. Okay? Um, you have much. You have much. I love um, Alice in Wonderland, the Mad Hatter, who talks about muchness and muchiness. You used to have, be much more muchier, but you've lost your muchness. We're joking about this. Um, what, what's the point? What, what am I trying to, what is Paul trying to make sure the Romans understand? And by way of this being preserved for thousand years for us what does this mean about you if you have much what's that mean you got you got stuff you got abilities you got talents you know some things you have some experience amen, amen. paul says you got all knowledge all goodness and you can kind of teach so we're starting to sign up for sunday morning servants okay no do we have to be reminded of this? You have to. Well, I'm not. I never have. Blah, blah, blah. So, those are called excuses. Burn the excuses. Figure out, identify, take pride and confidence in what you have because you have much to give is a great word. But remember, we were doing priestly, and I had to stay within Paul's theme. So it starts with O. And offer. offer. You have much to offer. If you have much to offer, then offer. Right? What, what, what's the word on the street about you? Oh, Scott, don't do that today. No, like when people say, oh, yeah, Fred. Um, by the way, you, you understand, like if you've been here any amount of time, our default example and analogies is Fred, okay? Because we don't, we don't have a Fred, okay? Don't invite any Freds to church <laughs> because I will end up talking about, they'll think it's about them. No, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, offer much. Um, yeah, Fred, what does Fred say about you? When you're not around, what is, well, uh, or what do you people say about Fred? I like Fred, but you know, huh? Well, is he going to be invited? Oh, you're in, um, I don't know why this bugs me so much, but we're in college and we were planning a party. 
and I was some, with some friends. I still remember us. I was driving. There was four of us in the car, and one of the girls in the back seat. And we were going over the list of uh, who was going to be invited. And uh, somebody mentioned somebody, and they said, "Oh, we can't invite him. Why are you going to invite him?" And I stopped the car. I said, "Because if we don't invite him, no one will." That's the way we got to look at it. Yeah, there's Freds out there. Yeah, you're going to be Fred out there sometimes. How do we fix that? Offer much. And, and then expect that they have something to offer. Oh, why are they coming to the study? Because you need to learn some things from them. Verse 14 is a great example of that. Second thing, if you have much to offer... Um, then what else do we need to remember in our pursuit of the Gentiles or those that are yet to be saved? Um, they are worth it. They're worth it. I mean, let's get beyond the whole, um, you're commanded to do this, by the way, right? You just had about 19 verses or such. I think it's actually 20 verses of command. Now, if you need to understand it, here's how you understand it. You have a lot to offer, and they're worth it. What are they worth? A little bit? Well, they're, they're worth some of my time. I will meet with them once a week, but no more. I will limit my time to an hour. What are they worth? That's what they're worth, folks. They're worth the death of a son, a savior. The second part of the Trinity has said, you know what? I'm going to prove to you what you're worth. Now, here's my problem. I get stuck looking at all the wrong things. Where are they from? How do they act? How do they treat me? Blah, blah, blah. Do any of those things fall in the passage? No. How do we judge other people? careful you do you do judge them they are the creation of god we judge them that way and god wants them saved jesus died for them solved their sin we judge them by that amen now if you get much more beyond that you better be really careful right well they don't have a home I will discern that they don't have the home, and so I go and give them a home. That's a little bit of judgment. It's a careful... We don't want to get too dangerous with that, right? What are they worth? They're worth a son. I want to take a second just to give Dr. David Ackman credit for that seminary class because he beat us up for like a whole two hours on the idea that our worth is the son. His death proves our worth, which is amazing because you know what? You can post anything on social media now about me. I give you permission. Have fun. Do your worst. Why? It, it cannot change my worth. Now, can it mess with my head, twist my heart? Can it make me grumpy or 
mistreat the dog, you know. It could, but it can never change my worth. Now, I wish so desperately that this was true for you. That's sarcasm at its greatest level, folks. What's the point? Your worth, your value, it's solved. It's defined. It's clear, simple, unchangeable. What was that line we sang? I think it was the second song. I am who you, I am who you say I am. I'm, I'm standing in the back getting ready to come up here watching you guys sing this song, looking at that line, and I'm cracking up. So easy to sing. So hard to believe. So hard to own. My value on this planet is unmatched. Could you say that and believe it? And I don't care if you're in relationship or out of relationship or if you make more or less than the next guy next to you or any of that stuff, right? Can you say that your value is unmatched? I hope you should. He's gone to great lengths to make sure you understood it. And as soon as you understand it about you... Then it becomes true about others or them. All of a sudden, whoa, talk to them, invite them. Well, yeah, they're the most, they're tied for most valuable on the planet, right? Maybe I do need to talk to them. Maybe I do need to invite them. Maybe ask them about the Lord, bring them to church, drag them on a Sunday, and they can watch the crazy guy on stage. Take them to a meal. Call them and pray with them over the phone. Or maybe if they're untouchable so far for you, because they have deemed it that way, you just pray for them by yourself on your own and see how long it takes. Those are fun experiments. Watch what you can see God change when you have no place to do anything other than pray. We got to do that because they're worth it. Uh, lastly, and this is this is going to be the long one. You need to strap in for this one because uh, this one's going to take a while. It's going to hurt a little bit. Um, be uh, no before we fill this. Look underneath the filling. What are those? That's so many numbers. I feel I fear math class might break out. This is absolutely throughout the whole passage. What was the first verse of our passage? The number. 14 okay what's the last number say 33 we got almost every verse this concept that i'm about to give you is accentuated in almost every verse and i'm telling you this is going to hurt a little bit it's going to take a little while and it's going to hurt a little bit it might have to sink in be a minister Anybody gone to seminary? Sorry for your loss. Um, 
Ready? Ready? Here's the, here's the, here's the knife straight to the chest. Ready? That never lets you off the hook. You're a minister. AKA, another way to say minister, I told you earlier. Starts with P. Nope. I said I wasn't a priest. Pastor? We are called, they are called, new Christians in the wrong culture, they're called to be pastors and ministers. Is that true about us? Absolutely. Is there a gender bias in it? Not at all. We're meant to minister. What is that? Well, that, that means working for God. No. This is what this is about. And to the point that you're confident in it and you have some, some pride, some joy in it. How do you be a minister? Well, I used to think it meant you went to seminary and took theology classes and history of the church and Greek and Hebrew, but two classes of each, and you got to know all this stuff. I got to know what transubstantiation means and got all these weird. No. No, we're going to skip all that stuff. How about you be nice to someone <laughs> and tell your face while you're doing it? Bring a couple resources, spend a little time. How about, what was that word again? Mm. It was it was like community company. Why don't you be company to someone? Or go beyond that and companion with them. I'm gonna give you um a ton of fill-ins of very specific things that Paul says for us to do. First one is instruct. He said you have all knowledge and all goodness, and you're able to teach. That means one of the things we do as a minister is we instruct. Who have you taught about the Lord? Would you like an opportunity to teach somebody about the Lord? I will help you, and I will employ you. <laughs> I will assign you a place. Right? We we can instruct. Um, uh, Doug and I do this on the soccer field. The kids, players, they don't always know that we're giving them a Bible lesson, but it, we're sneaking it in, right? Coming around the backside, next thing you know, they got scored on it. How that happened, right? Learning truth, morals, and all that kind of stuff. And by God, our country and our, our community needs it. Um, second, by word and deed. By word and deed. I should say a very uh, ominous, majestic voice. What, what's word and deed? <laughs> what you say is what you do. You say it, and then you do it. Um, we've got a much better, maybe higher dollar word that we use for that. Starts with in and integrity. integrity, right? That we we act with integrity, but it also means that we act. Deed means you you're doing something. Yeah, I wasn't very good at it. Yes. But God rewards the effort. He wants to see you do something. Right? You know what he asked Abraham to do the very first time? Unbelievable. The majestic request that he made of Abraham. You know, before he before go. It's what should be said to a lot of guys on couches with remotes. Get up. The first thing he says to Abraham, get up. Right? What if you just got up and said, well, I'm going to do something. Happened to me yesterday. Yesterday was a sad day in our house. Three Christmas trees died. <laughs> Julie and I were sitting on the couch. She said, hey, 
stick down the trees. Thought to myself, I'm going to have to get up. I did. We slayed those trees. One of them is dismembered all over the garage floor. <laughs> Trying to figure out where we're going to put it. Um, it, it takes initiative. You've got to at some point say, yeah, I'm going to go do something. Right? Um, which, by the way, uh, that story does not preclude me from saying Merry Christmas. Right? I think I'm going to adopt it all year. Um, so instruct, do it through word and deed. Uh, power of signs and wonders. What? Do you have the power to do signs and wonders? Wait, Scott, we've never really been that EBGB church with all the weirdness stuff. Yeah, um, no, let's go, let's go a little more realistic. Are there signs of God in you? This is different than the word, what it actually means in the passage, but when people watch you, do they wonder? Can you do things that make people wonder? Why, why do wonders, signs and wonders, why did they become titled signs and wonders? Because when they saw it, it was a sign that made them wonder about God? I got a perfect sign and wonder for you. Okay, I'm pretty, I think you can accomplish this. Great confidence in you all, right? Show up at church every week. Wait, that's a sign and a wonder? Yes, for some of us, if we saw you at church every week, we would say, oh, well, that's a miracle. It's a sign and a wonder, <laughs> right? What does that do to community? When the parking lot's full and people show up at church and they're doing it, and what, what's, what's the message it sends? What's going on? Is there, I got to see, right? Questions. Let me give you another one. I'm really sorry to hear that. Can I pray for you right now? You can say that to somebody. It blows people away. I've yet to have anybody tell me no. Now, confession, I want to do it more often. I have done it less than I think best. When I remind myself, Scott, this is an opportunity. Say you're going to pray for them, right? Random people in the soccer club, random person at the checkout thing, and then I talk to everybody. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm checking out at like Smart and Final. And I'm having a conversation with the dude. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Pretty good, except for you're working, right? That usually gets a laugh. We start talking. He's had a bad day. Bud, can I pray for you? Uh, you uh, yeah. Lord, pray he has a better day. Give him some blessing. By the end of the day, may he know it turned. You take visa, <laughs> you know, and move on. There's things you can do, power signs and wonders. Um, let's get into the heavy stuff. Can you pray for miracles? Do they still happen? Yeah. You got to work at them. You got to ask for them. Because he who does not ask does not receive. And let him not expect that he will get anything from God. That's actually a verse. Whoa. All right. Uh, power of the Spirit. Number four. Power of the Spirit. Hey, God, I know this is beyond me. solve it. 
You heard people say, well, I laid it at the Lord's feet. What's that mean? It's a fancy way of sounding spiritual, right? The concept is, I'm giving this to you. Why feet? Because to to put something at somebody's feet, you got to get down, right? Ask God, pray, fix this, solve it, push me, push them. Great opportunity. Um, Next, uh, fulfill the ministry. I love that it implies that we can fulfill the ministry. Which ministry? Yours. What's that? Oh, we've li- we've I've caught my limit now. Can never tell you what your ministry is. That's something you figure out with God. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's not on my job description. That I got to figure out what all y'all got to do. But run in it. Run through it. Get going. When? Now? For how long? Long as it takes. When will I know? You'll just know. It'll feel good. There'll be joy. There'll be peace. And, and here's, here's one that I want you to pursue the rest of your life. The confirmation of the Holy Spirit. It's different than peace or joy or patience or any of those. There's a I can breathe again. And I'm breathing better than I ever have before. One of those moments where you say, thank you God for this. That you can probably never explain to someone else because they're different than you and they're living a different experience than you are. And praise God for giving you something that weighty that is good to experience. How do you get to that? <laughs> you got to work at it. It's not like, yeah, I was walking down the street, going into in and out, and God just hit me. No. It doesn't work that way. It works. I've been praying about this. I've been trying to read. I've been showing up at church. I've been around people that do. I've been trying to be in company. I've been trying to serve, and God's molding and shaping all the way along. And then, boom. Instead of hitting you, it might be just like it, it kind of overwhelms you. Or it's a filling experience. Some of you have had this. Where you're just like, I sense his presence. That's how I understand the Spirit. Or the Lord speaking to me. Or the Lord has a word for you. I, yeah. I never had those. I don't understand them. But I understand this. Um, ambition, lastly, to preach the gospel. We are called to explain the value of God and the sacrifice of his son for mankind. At some point, at many points, how about in as many points as possible, at all times, just keep going. Believe that there's a payoff in it. And you come up with excuses for why something can't work anymore. You come up for, with excuses why you're not going to talk to somebody. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to work at this. I'm going to find a solution. 
It's the quarterback for the Jaguars yesterday. What's his name? Lawrence. So in between the dismantling of Christmas, sad day, uh, the game was on. And uh, after the Niners crushed the other guys, Seahawks, um, Trevor Lawrence was on. They were doing an interview before his game. I was kind of interested listening to him talk about he stopped listening about what other people say about him, good or bad. He has to stay true to his job and what he's called to do as the leader of the team and quarterback and blah, 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 and the whole thing. Then the game starts, and the Chargers go up like 27 to nothing over this kid. And I'm just like, ooh, that's rough. Poor guy. Love the interview. Too bad he's done with the playoffs and it's over. Turned it off. Someone forgot to tell Lawrence. They won. 31 to 30. The field goal at the end. I didn't know that till this morning. He says, oh, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to find a way to do it. Right? A little, uh, an analogy a little closer to home. Anybody have electronic devices? <laughs> How many do you have? Right? Too many. They never work exactly the way you want. And when they come, they're always missing one thing. I've, I've figured this out. You know, electronic, the, all of the electronic world, what it's mostly about at some point? Freaky cords. How many can they sell you? There, a lot of times you get a device and it has one cord for charging it, but it has, doesn't come with the cord you need to connect it to anything else. Drives me nuts. And if they do give you a cord, what's the limit of the cord? It's like this long. I decided that I'm going to be about it. I'm going to figure this thing out. I went online. Doug, could you hold that, please? I can plug into the wall over there and sit on my couch and watch the game. Plugged in. Because I found a way. Look at this thing. It's beautiful. It's like a 10-foot cord. <laughs> Lovely. It's worth its weight in gold. It gives me the ability to keep moving. Get charged up. Find a way to keep moving with your relationship with the Lord and get charged up. Stay plugged in. How many more puns can you come up with? Right? Let's work for Him. But being saved is just the bottom shelf. It's just the first step. That's like walking through the front door. Let's explore the house. Let's do that. If you've never accepted the Lord, you're a Gentile. <laughs> Just like us. And you're meant to come to salvation. That can be found in no one else. Make that decision. Ask your questions. And then let us help you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this book, for Paul, for all the things that we can do and believe. Pray, Lord, that we would live out the things we sing about, the things we read about, the things you've wanted us to know so much that you preserve your word for generations and generations.
And then Lord, for, for those that need help or are struggling in pieces of this, show them. Connect them with us. But put us in a place where we can fulfill your ministry. You want to know his heart? How do you do that? Fulfill the ministry. You're going to know his heart? Or if you know his heart, then you can fulfill the ministry. Which direction does that go? Probably both. You can't control when you know his heart. You can't control when you start getting about fulfilling the ministry. May you fulfill his ministry. Amen? Go with him.